Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and coming off of last week, I'm really excited to round things out in today's episode. So let's just jump right in and go through today's order. First, we'll cover our bases, and I'll talk about some softball updates. Then we'll head into the interview. It's a continuation of my conversation with Hannah Flippin. In part one, you heard us talk about Athletes Unlimited, from the mental strategy to playing on an all-turf field, to the best Flippin puns, and which players she assigns to the Friends characters. Great show, classic. And you know, every player at this level represents a lot more than just themselves. They have a lot of softball experience and are part of a lot of different communities within the softball world. So in part two today, we talk about all of hers, Team USA, the pro level, and more about her days at Utah. Plus, we also talk about her hitting approach and maybe a little about her mama. So lots lined up for you. And then we'll wrap things up with the double play tip of the week. So let's get started. Covering our bases. Fall sports look a little different this year, but there are sports, including football. So given everything that's happened this year, that's a win. And I was laughing at the Bill Belichick interview. The reporter asked him, you know, what was the atmosphere like without fans? Can you compare it to anything you've experienced? And he was totally straight faced and just goes, practice. Makes sense, Bill. Thanks, on brand. <laughs> And now you might not be in the stands, but you can still get in on the action with Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more betting options than anywhere online. So don't forget the online casino never closes, so that's always an option too. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great signup bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, they really are your online sportsbook experts. And when it comes to college softball, student athletes who are on the quarter system at their schools are now starting classes too. And I always think about this because this is how we were at Stanford. It, the quarter system is different. You start later and you end later. So you can end up being in finals week during the World Series in June, and you also have a shorter fall ball. And fall ball is really important. You heard Erica Piancastelli talk about it on this show recently and plenty of guests before her. It sets the tone for the season. So for schools doing virtual classes like Stanford, it's gonna be challenging not having that same level of the fall experience, especially when some of the other schools are back on campus. And I'm not really sure if there can be an even playing field, but that's kind of already the case this year in many ways. I mean, you look at now, the Big 10 is going to have football starting in October. The Pac-12 is looking into it. Who knows? I mean, it does take time to ramp up and train. You can't just go from couch to field, but so there are larger implications. But on the other hand, too, the NCAA extended the recruiting dead period to January 1st. So there's just lots of stuff happening between now and the start of spring sports. But even for those who are on campus right now, the meaning of being on campus is very different. There are reduced hours in terms of working out and practicing. COVID tests, wearing masks on the field, and just generally being more cautious and giving yourself more grace if you're in those shoes. 
There was a Notre Dame player, Katie Marino, who made a great point. Normally, we all know that if you're feeling a little bit sick, you know, you push through and you practice. You kind of have to be throwing up or running a fever to miss practice and college softball, but not really anymore. I mean, she told Softball America that now there's really this responsibility that if you feel something coming on, anything potentially there, you communicate that because you can't risk it for your teammates and the staff. It's interesting because the freshmen have the advantage of not knowing any different, but then come next year, if we come back to what we have previously considered to be normalcy, they'll have another adjustment to make. So it's almost like they'll be freshmen all over again in some ways. But the bottom line is that it is and will continue to be really freaking hard. And everyone's going to be rusty, rusty with their physical skills, but also even with the mental side and just working as a team, you know, you need those reps too. But I will say, when teams really gel and come together and build trust is when they're in the trenches together. That's where the bond comes from. And if teams can get through this together, then they have a chance at success. And we've also been seeing success in the Athletes Unlimited Shield. So week three just finished another great set of games. Today's guest, Hannah Flippin, had herself a weekend. Not only did she hit a home run early, but she also hit a grand slam on Monday. And remember, this is after she came on this show, okay? This is not the first time that's happened. After Pion Castelli joined the show the week prior, she not only hit a home run, but hit two in the same game. And Erica and Hannah are now both tied for the most homers in Athletes Unlimited, along with Megan Wiggins and Savannah Jaquish. So the theme is clear, and Hannah called it early, come on the show, drop bombs, plural. So who will join next? We will see. But speaking of, Team Bianca Selly had their first walk-off and major comeback win in Athletes Unlimited. Kaylee Clifton, she sealed the deal with a dinger. Erica was mic'd up at the time. She called it saying manifestation is totally real, and it was. And originally, Team Orange was supposed to be Team Ocasio based on points, but Alicia Ocasio had actually left the Shield to deal with a family emergency that was reportedly not COVID-related, so she missed week three but she still stayed in the top 10 in points. That's just incredible without even playing. She's returning this week and we hope her family is doing well. And this time she was drafted in the first round to Team Warren. Excited to see them together. In addition, we also have athlete number 57 joining in pitcher Trish Parks. So she was originally brought in as a contingency plan if Ocasio didn't return. She made a big impact when she was at Fullerton and will compete for the rest of the season. And of course, her and Ocasio will go through medical and COVID protocols to get cleared to play. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but they have been pretty careful overall. So I'd imagine there will be some testing and making sure that everyone is symptom-free, sick-free, so that they can make their way into the shield. And as far as the draft goes, Kat actually took Trish Parks early, after Gwen Svekas, of course. That's her, her go-to number one pick. But I think it was really smart because she's the only pitcher in AU that hasn't been seen before by these hitters. And Kat needs a number two to take on more innings. So it makes sense. Team Osterman and Team Reed kind of geared towards middle infielders. Team Hayward and Team Warren, actually a little bit more towards outfielders. I think hitters really for both. But except Hayward did draft four pitchers. And I think it's always interesting because Kat is able to categorize herself as unlimited so she can end up with four pitchers, the three slots she gets plus herself. But Hayward also put an emphasis in the circle and Wagner was a great snag in round one. Kamalani Dung has been holding her own. And then Shao and Barnhill have struggled a bit, but they are two additional looks to give. 
And with adjustments, they are definitely capable on the mound. So overall, for the most part, it was a typical draft that we've seen. You get the battery early, then maybe some infield hitters and solid outfielders. I have to say that there is a big difference between watching Cats games and other games. Game one on Monday, the blue team scored 18 runs. That's where the grand slam from Flippin came in. Then Cat and Haley Wagner turn around in game two and have a two to one pitcher's duel. Again, it's really about command, not just making your pitches move, but locating them. And on the home run that Kat gave up to Jake was, she actually said herself in the post-game interview, the ball dropped well, but it was over the plate. And Jake was just too good of a hitter for that. So she really talked about owning those corners. But also, you know what? Wagner's changeup was working. She was changing speeds, and that put her over the top that game. And pitchers are seeing the most success when they do that and when they own those corners down in the zone. So that's what I'm looking for from them for the rest of this season. And with all that said, too, I actually love seeing some of the stuff they're doing separate from practice and games. You know, they had movie night and they've been doing that at the ball field. Kind of these unexpected delights that Athletes Unlimited will provide for the athletes, whether it's donuts or face masks or whatever it is. They seem to be really taking care of the whole self, which is something that Hannah and I talked about last week. And it's really cool to see that in action. And we're getting ready for another great, entertaining, fun, exciting weekend of Athletes Unlimited. So now let's hear more from the Hannah Flippin, who's right in the middle of it all. We've talked a lot about defense because, you know, you're flipping the ball over or whatever it is. But you also have a lot of agility on offense. And you've, you know, been kind of sneak drag bunning from the right side, but also hitting home runs. Like, I, I love the, the flexibility and, like, the versatility that you have. And you can lead off from the right side. So when you're kind of in that position, I know you've, you've been in different slots like throughout Athletes Unlimited, which all of you will be, but when you're leading off from the right side, like what do you think about? Do you almost have like a lefty mentality? I think a little bit. Uh, I think it depends on the game more so than anything. I have gone up there and swung at the first pitch, and I don't think that that's a typical leadoff move, which – I think will happen more in these next couple of weeks too, because we've seen the pitchers, you know what they're going to throw. So like they're trying to get ahead. You can't waste the pitch. And so we're just going to go for it. Um, and so I do think that like, I have a different, a few different leadoff styles, like an aggressive, like I'm going to go out there hacking a patient, like I'm going to see kind of where the, the zone's at and give a look to the hitters in the dugout. Um, I like to read the defense. Um, and I'm going to give away a secret, but everybody should know it already. Obviously, you read the corners, but also when bunting from the right side, I read the second baseman. Typically, they're the ones that have to cover first base. And so I could sometimes bunt on the second baseman and not necessarily where the corners are. Um, I determine whether the pitcher is good off the mound or not, and that kind of plays into whether I bunt or not. But um, ultimately, I think the goal – is like you're only the lead off one time in the game and that's the first inning. Um, and so just having a good at bat, that's all I'm about is having a quality at bat, finding a way on base, whether that's a bunt single or a home run. I Sometimes it might be one or the other. Sometimes it might always be a bunt. Um, I love leading off because I love starting off the game with like something great. Um, obviously it's not always great, but um, I like to be that presence in the box of like, all right, here we go. We're going to be, we're going to have an aggressive day. Hannah swung at the first pitch. Let's stay on it, stay on it, stay on it. Or, okay, pitches thrown a lot of pitches, strike zones kind of everywhere. So I kind of like to set the tone for the game and the offense by being in the leadoff spot. But 
Um, like you said, we're going to be everywhere, so I'll be happy wherever I'm at in the lineup. Yeah, I like being the triple threat kind of kid. Um, my, me and my old hitting coach from Utah talk about this all the time is um, my freshman year, I batted leadoff majority of the games, and I could barely get the ball to the infield. Like, I was this weak little 18-year-old trying to hold my own in the Pac-12, and um, I would just get bloop singles, drag bunt a lot, like at least once a game. And so I've kind of taken that and kept that in my back pocket while developing some power later in my years. And um, so I've tried to just become the most well-rounded player I can be. And I think I got that and obviously still working to get better at each little skill, but um, yeah, I love being the triple threat from the right side. Yeah. The more tools you have in your toolbox, like that's what it's about. For me, it's like, yeah, you don't have to be a lefty. If you have speed and you can still drop a button, all that stuff, you can do that from the right side. And I feel like there's been a trend of more and more right-handed leadoff hitters. So actually when Lauren Lappin was on the show, Mm -hmm. I asked her what she thought about right-handed leadoffs, you know, her being a switch hitter herself when she played and she was like, oh yes, a hundred percent, Hannah Flippin, the end. Like that was literally her answer. (laughs) Well, and another one that I thought about while talking about this was Chitty. Like, could you imagine your first hitter of the game being Amanda Chittister, like one of the best hitters in the world? Like, talk about setting the tone for an offense. Like, and so I think the traditional style of what a leadoff hitter is supposed to do is um, evolved. And it's just like, how are we going to get our best hitters, the most at-bats? How are we going to set the tone for the offense? So um, I love Chitty as a leadoff because it's like scary it makes you shake in your boots a little bit right from the get-go yeah and it's like you know corners are trying to give that respect Mm -hmm. too so you play back but then you're like well I could get beat in front pretty easily too like and honestly I'll let Chitty beat me in front every single day (laughs) oh yeah I'll give her the bunt just don't hit it over my head (laughs) I don't I'm like usually like no you can't get beat in front but there are certain situations where you just gotta yeah Jesse Warren, Amanda Chittister, Katiana Malga, like beat me in front every day. Just please don't hit it 500 feet, please. A hundred percent. That's the thing with pro softball too. There are so many different parts to that world. Like even just when I'm introing you, it's like, yeah, you're a Chicago bandit. You're on This Is Us. Like, you know, you're Athletes Unlimited, right? Oh, and USA. Like there's so many different aspects to it. Mm-hmm. So for you, when you think of like the MPF, you think of like the independent team with This Is Us and all the time you spent with them earlier this year. How do you feel like all of these parts of pro softball kind of fit together? Good question. I feel like that's something that the softball world has been trying to figure out for a while, like USA and MPF, and now there's independent and now there's Athletes Unlimited. So I think that Athletes Unlimited, um, talking to some of the PEC members, is always going to try and be a shoulder season to the NPF. So it's never going to try and compete, which is really cool because I want to do it all. And I think that Athletes Unlimited is going to kind of try and play with that and let that happen. And same with USA Softball. Like they want softball to be played and they want us as athletes to play at a high level and play against good competition so that we're better for them too. So I think the more opportunities we have to play the game, And the more that all of these entities work together is best for our sport. And it's best for the athletes. It's best for the viewers. It's best for the little kids growing up so that we don't have to pick and choose like, oh, I'm an Athletes Unlimited fan and not an NPF fan. Like just be a fan of softball and watch the game, play the game, 
So I'm loving the camaraderie between the leagues right now. I think it's growing. I think we're getting there. I think it's taken a long time to get to this space, but um, I definitely see it all moving together in a cohesive direction, which is really exciting for the game and for female professional athletes too. It's all about those larger goals of just empowerment, right? Like as long as everybody keeps that as their North Star, we're going to be fine. Definitely. That's like one of my favorite things about this game and really about what's going on with Athletes Unlimited is be you, like be yourself and trust your gut, trust that you know what you bring to the table and trust that what you bring to the table is good enough. Like whether it's you're great on defense or you're great on offense or you're just here for a good time, like whatever it is, like be you and like we're going to celebrate that. And so I think that's the biggest thing that I love about softball is that the group as a whole just wants to like have a good time and get to know each other and help each other grow so that everybody can feel empowered to do what they are supposed to do and be who they're supposed to be. Absolutely. And now you guys are on trading cards. How cool is that? That is like so cool. So I grew up collecting baseball cards, obviously, like who didn't? So to think that like I'm going to be on a, on a trading card that's so cool like and have my picture on it and my name and my position and I don't know what's going to be on the back of it maybe my point total for the week I don't know but that's so cool and so many people have been like I've bought eight packs already like this is going to be a huge thing and like growing up I used to go to baseball camps with my brothers and we would collect cards and buy cards and at the end of the baseball camp you would try and put together the best team out of the cards that you had and so I'm like, this is so cool. Like you get all 56 cards and then you try and make your own Athletes Unlimited team. And I don't know where it could go from there, but it's just really cool that Tops has partnered with Athletes Unlimited and we have this opportunity. And to know that I'm one of those 56 girls that's in the first pack, like is so cool. It's so exciting. It's so awesome. And it's one of those things where people outside the sport or who aren't familiar with female sports and women's sports may not understand like oh like yeah that's cool but like cards have been around forever right well it's yeah. like but these cards haven't been around forever Absolutely. you know and it's like the more that we can kind of check off all of these firsts ultimately mm -hmm. the goal is to not have firsts anymore yeah right yeah. so it's like as we keep going through this list to like kind of break down these different barriers every single one is a big win mm -hmm. and honestly like we talk about cards being out of style or whatever but i was talking to sam fisher the other day she has a Derek Jeter card and she looked up like a Derek Jeter rookie card. I think she looked up how much it costs and it's like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So to think that this could be potentially what we're setting up, like to have our first pack of, pack of cards, like it's all of our rookie cards technically. Like, so I hope that these are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, like in the future, like what a cool place to start in like to, I, Gwen uses the word a lot, like to trailblaze, like, set it up for us to be great in 10 years or 15, whatever it is. Just cool that we're doing all these first so that we don't have to do first in the future. Hell yeah. Like that's like, exactly, it's all the stepping stones. Like that's everything is forward. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is with all the worlds colliding, I mean, you're playing with and against Olympic teammates and opponents. So are you taking notes? Like, is that in the back of your mind as well? Um, it's definitely in the back of my mind. It's not on the front of my mind just because I think I'm trying to enjoy this experience and play as an individual and learn how to be a good teammate for the teams that I'm on. But 
playing with Victoria Hayward, I never would have thought that we'd mesh so well together. And so to know that I'm a friend with the enemy is like kind of sneaky uh, and kind of cool, but definitely like keeping tabs on them for sure. Like Vic is a threat at the plate 100%. KJ can play anywhere on the field and Joey Lye does it all. Like she's a great teammate, has quality at bats. Like, and so, and then all the Mexico players, which I'm really close with. And so I already have some of those pre-existing relationships, but, um, and having at bats off Thule and McQuillan. So definitely like taking notes, but it's definitely not the forefront of my mind. Um, just trying to be here and be present in this moment and play the league out and kind of take notes from it after the fact a little bit. Um, and also like taking at bats week to week instead of like, okay, I'm going to take this all the way into next year. Like, I'm going to take my at-bats off McQuillan and Tuli and even Kat and, uh, and Hove and whoever else is out there. Take those at-bats into the next week and into the next week and just continue to learn each week instead of saying, like, this is what I'm taking to the Olympics in 2021. Um, taking it inning by inning, just like athletes I'm to set up for. Um, not trying to do too much or learn too much at once because there is a lot to learn, whether it's international or pro or the game of softball. Uh, not trying to do too much all at once, but it is really cool to one play against them and kind of get those edges on them, but also play with them and just learn who they are as humans. And then I think that's going to make the overall experience in Tokyo, like much more enjoyable. Like when you know the people around you um, and get to enjoy that together, like me and Vic are really close now and me and Nice have been really close and me and Sash, like, so to know that we're going to all experience that together later in the future is going to be really cool because of the relationships that we've developed now. That's a great point because while you're making all these adjustments, so are they. So mm -hmm. th a lot of things can change Absolutely. in a year while you're waiting Absolutely. to go to Tokyo. Yeah. yeah. Staying flexible, not getting too settled because the game of softball, like it's ever changing. Who knows? Like, Next year, Cat might have a crow hop or whatever it is. Like, things can change for sure. So not getting too comfortable in what's happening now because um, things can get better, they can get worse, they can be completely different or exactly the same. So it's hard to put a say on what's going to happen in the future. I feel like that's, like, the theme of the year. You just don't know what's going to happen. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. That's literally 2020 in a nutshell. But as a team, though, for Team USA, obviously you're, you and, uh, and what, eight of your other USA teammates are all a little bit busy right now, but um, it's still important for you guys to kind of stay connected, obviously, over time as you guys head closer into maybe some sort of normalcy before the Olympics, yeah. hopefully. Definitely. So earlier when I've had, I've had Kaylani Ricketts on the show, Monica Abbott joined, and they said kind of early on in the pandemic that you guys were having like Zoom check-ins and, mm -hmm. and trying to stay connected, which is great. But now we're, we're like six months into this pandemic. So yeah. what, what's it like now as you guys try to kind of keep that team camaraderie? Yeah, definitely. Well, like you said, there's a handful of us here at Athletes Unlimited. So that's been really great for us to still stay connected, see each other every day, whether we're playing on the field together or not. It's just nice to see each other's faces and be playing softball. But outside of that, um, we actually have a Zoom call today just to get back to it and like check in and see how things are going and just talk about some things and reconnect a little bit. Um, but there's always conversations going on, whether they're super detailed and meaningful or whether it's light and funny. Um, there's always conversations going on in the world of technology. Thank goodness that we're able to still connect 
while still having this time apart to kind of relax and just work on yourself or work on your game or whatever it is um time away so that when whenever comes around whenever we start training again which who knows when that'll be cross your fingers for all of it but when we come together again we can pick up right where we left off and everybody's going to be in a better place because we've all done what we needed to do over this time um i think it's important to know yourself and know what you need i need to play softball um and i'm sure we all do but um monica not, might not need to throw a game every single day or whatever she's she can do what she needs to do to feel good. Like she loves to work out and loves to have her interactions with her clinics or with her Zooms or clients, like whatever it is, like she's doing what she needs to do. I'm doing what I need to do. And I think that's the world of professionalism is like at the end of the day, coach E's not going to call me every day and say like, Hey, did you get your swings in? He's going to trust that I know what I'm doing to get myself ready for the end goal. Um, and knowing that it's a marathon, not a sprint. So um, continuing to do things on our own, what fills our cups up, but also touching base with each other. And I know that everybody kind of has their people that they turn to within that team. Um, so touching on them and um, connecting with Chitty, but then uh, together today we'll connect and um, see, see each other's faces, which will be really nice because it is a good group and it's fun to be around. So I always crave that group and love when we get the time to connect. There's also a lot of pack representation with Team mm -hmm. USA, too. You got UCLA, Cal, Washington, Oregon, Arizona, and then obviously you with Utah. And almost every school in the pack is represented in AU, too. But for me, when I think of Utah, it's such an interesting story because you were sort of the new kids on the block in the pack. Mm -hmm. How was that experience kind of coming in and trying to maybe prove yourselves? Or was that kind of how you thought of it? Yeah, well, just like you said, new kids on the block. So walking into Utah my freshman year, I didn't really know any different than what, like you don't know until you don't until you know. So going into it, we were the new kids, but I didn't feel like we were any less than any of the other schools or any of the, even though that they had already been there, um, because I just didn't know. I didn't know Utah's record the year before. I didn't know how well they did the year before. I just walked in and said, like, I'm here to be great and I'm here to play softball. And I think that's kind of how that group of freshmen walked in the door was like, we're here to freaking play and we're going to put ourselves on the map and we're going to start today. And a little bit of an eye opener, like it was tough. Like we might have set our expectations and set our goals a little higher than anticipated um, because playing in the Pac-12 is no joke. Like it is competitive every single day um three game series it's tough to even beat a team once let alone three times in a row so just walking in the door saying like we're the new kids we don't care I don't care if you know who I am I'm gonna play and I'm gonna beat you um so I think going in with that mentality and then we got a taste of it after that first year it was like okay we know what this is all about now and we're gonna get better and then it was like all right we're here like we made our presence let's get better it was really cool to be a part of a program that genuinely got better every year. Like not just um, within the group, but physically on paper, our stats got better, our um, record got better, um, our recruiting got better. And so we just progressed every year just a little bit, which I think put Utah on the map, which was so cool to be a part of. And I think it comes down to the little chip on our shoulders that we all had, which was like, 
don't knock us. Like we're a big time school, like we can compete. And then the leadership from our coach, from our head coach, Amy Hogue, which was like, doesn't give a rip. Like who says what it's the game of softball. Anything can happen. Like you have to show up every day and you have to beat us. We're not going to roll over for you. You have to beat us. Um, but super cool experience. Grateful for it. Happy that we got better every year and ended up where we were. So. I mean, that's the right mentality to have. Cause to be honest, so I was lucky to where my senior year was the first year the PAC 12 existed. So oh, wow. most of it was PAC 10 for my yep. career, but I was happy to be able to kind of have that bridge between the two. Mm-hmm. And my first impression of Utah softball is I was like, damn, they're scrappy as hell. Yep. Like, like I remember we went in and we got to play there, which I also was happy about. I was like, cool. I got to go to this field, place. which you love obviously, yeah. which was like a cool experience. Cause it was the only experience I was going to get with Utah, yep. but we went in there and like, we dropped a game because the Utes came out swinging, like they were not messing mm-hmm. around, you know? And yeah. I was like, okay, wow. Like this is, this is cool. Like I'm, I was like happy to, to welcome Utah into the group, if that makes sense. Cause you know, there's yep. so much history in the PAC 12, but like to your mm-hmm. point, this is softball. Like that also like to a certain extent doesn't matter. Like yeah. we're, we're all playing and we're all part of this, this family, I guess. And I also remember you talked about how great the stadium is. Like what a beautiful view of the mountains awesome. and everything. It's awesome. Beautiful. I also liked it because like with the altitude, like my ball, I'm, I was not, not really a home run hitter. Like I did hit some, but that wasn't like my go-to part of my game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for me, the ball was flying off the bat a little bit more and I was like, cool. Like <laughs> this is a good Seriously. feeling. So it's uh, the year that you, that Pac-12 all happened, Utah had their old stadium and then pretty sure the fences were still a little short. They were. So after experiencing the first couple of years in the Pac-12, we were getting a new stadium and Coach A was like, okay, how far can we make the fences? Like we need to make it the maximum NCA limit. And they did. Like it's 235 to center, 225 down the lines. And I love it. Like balls still fly out, but there's more triples than I think ever before. And which is really fun part of the game. Like you hit a ball to the wall, you automatically get a triple. And anything like down the lines that's like a blooper you get a double like so it just makes the game a lot more fun obviously it's a tough place to pitch but from a defensive mind like I love being able to run all around the field and do cuts and relays and um hands down best field in the nation I'm just gonna say it but well I also uh, love that so many stadiums have been like revamped or like new ones have been built because even like Arizona after decades right like finally got their like revamp to Helen Brand so it's like cool to see that to see Oregon had since then anyway since I played got a new stadium like you guys like that's just a sign of growth too that's encouraging and like growth in the Pac-12 alone like there's I'm sure a lot of other stadium rebuilds elsewhere but to know that um, Arizona, Utah, Oregon have all put progress into their softball program has been really cool to see in the Pac-12 and I know UCLA is trying to hop on that train and Cal is trying to hop on that train so and uh, Oregon State's getting a new hitting facility so it's like to know that people are investing in our sport is really cool to see and to know that even in our pocket of the Pac-12 it's happening is really cool for everybody to be a part of that. And also the I know that your mom went to Utah State so it seems like Mm -hmm. just the state of Utah has meaning in your family. A little bit. I, it's funny because everybody um, brings that up, but 
when I was choosing what school to go to, I didn't even think about that. Like I didn't even make the connection like, oh yeah, my mom went to Utah State. But my mom always said that Utah was the right fit for me. Like she never tried to push me towards Utah State or she wanted me to figure it out. Obviously she was like, you should probably go to San Diego State. It's closer to home. And I was like all for that. But once I walked on the Utah campus, I was like walking on a cloud. It was the perfect place for me. But it is cool because a lot of the Utah alum played against my mom. And so they're like, you're Mary Lou Ram's daughter. And I'm like, yep, that's me. And they're like, your mom was so good. So it's cool to like hear stories about my mom from strangers, really. I've always heard from my mom's friends, like your mom was so good. She was great. She was a pitcher, blah, 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 blah. But to hear it from people that we aren't really connected with or weren't in the past, um, hear them say those good things about my mom was really cool to hear. And and she's like, yeah, like she's really shy and doesn't like to own that she was like a freaking bad A pitcher and hitter. Um, but I know that she was the real deal and I'm grateful that I got some of her talent, even though my dad might take credit for that. <laughs> I feel like dad's always try to do that. He does. He, he knows, he knows, but he'll always like be like, well, I was the one to give you that, but he knows that maybe not so much. <laughs> Well, we know that you got hitting from your mom then, but did you pitch at all? Like, were you trying to be like mom when you were a kid? Um, I was not trying to be like my mom as a kid, but I was athletic enough. And at the time, like, I pitched, yes. I pitched until I was like 14 years old. But my mom was like, you're too athletic to just stay in the circle. Like you need to play shortstop or second base or catcher. Like you need to do something else. I don't want you to just be in the circle. And I didn't want that either. Like maybe because of where, like how my mom played, my mom was a pitcher. And so I didn't want that. Like I didn't want to just be a pitcher like my mom. Um, And so I'm happy that I don't live in the circle because it's too much mind stuff and I just want to play and I want to make the diving play and the sliding play and I will steal second and do all these things. I want to throw somebody out. So I did pitch for a long time, but it was always just cause I was a little more athletic and had an awesome coach, obviously. Um, but I'm happy that I got out of the circle um, and found my way to the middle of the infield. Well, carving your own path is so important. Like I love the family stuff. I love when you have like some sort of legacy, you know what I mean? Like, passed on from generation to generation but like it is about what's best for you Mm -hmm. so not great that you saw it but not only that but that your mom was very encouraging of that because parents you know you just never know if they (laughs) what they're going to project on their kids seriously I'm really grateful for my mom like she always wanted me to be the best player I could be and I felt that from her obviously like we've had our touch and go moments of like frustration and Um, tears and love and all of the things but at the end of the day I know now more than ever that she always wanted me to be happy to be the best softball player I could be to be the best human I could be and um, I'm so grateful for that and grateful that she allowed me to play shortstop or play center field or be a catcher like whatever it was she was just like I want you to play wherever you feel like you're going to be the best at and where you have fun and in the circle was not where I had fun Um, but I did it. And I think because I had those experiences, I learned what I learned about what I didn't want, I guess. Like I learned, I didn't want to be there and I wanted to be somewhere else on the field. So 
that's just as important. Like the process of elimination, not just with, with softball, but in life, like figuring out mm -hmm. what you don't want or you don't like is just as important because it gets you closer to realizing like what you want and what you're meant to do. Yes, it's huge. Like if I would have stayed in the circle my whole career, who knows what, what would have happened? Like I might not be here. I'm, or I might be making millions of dollars somewhere playing softball. I think that might happen one day, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, you just don't know until you know. And so I'm happy that I was able and fortunate enough to have a mom who coached me also and say, okay, you're going to pitch today, you'll catch tomorrow, and then you'll pitch again, and then you'll play shortstop. So always just continuing to play all the positions um, and just figure out what I was best at. Trying everything. That's, that's important. That's really important. And even, even with that being said, you've also tried coaching. Like with Utah, you've been part of the program on that side of the house. Does that yeah. help you with Athletes Unlimited, do you think? I think so. I think I've learned a lot about game management from them um, and just more about the lineup, really. Like, why would you play somebody here versus here, like in the one spot versus the three spot or how the flex and the DP work? A lot of people don't know how the flex and the DP work. And I attribute my knowledge to that to coach A, but also to my mom who coached me growing up. And so I was always having those conversations with both of them of like, okay, what does the flex mean? Like what was DP mean in learning that stuff I think has definitely helped um, in writing lineups while being here and also understanding like um, swing paths. And I always have feelings of like, when to call certain pitches. And I don't think everybody has those instincts, but I think because I've been around the game and been around great coaches that I do have some of those things and I've picked up on some of those things. Um, so I do think that I have taken all of those experiences into this. And I will say another thing about coaching at Utah is I've learned a lot about people and um, how to interact with people and how to communicate in that the way I communicate with somebody isn't the way that they communicate well, whether it's being really direct and saying like, this is what you need to do, or maybe taking a little bit softer approach and saying like, Hey, I see what you're doing, but what if you tried this instead and kind of putting a, some fluff to it. So I've learned that there's different ways to communicate the same thing. And I think that that has helped me in life and in the game softball specifically at AU because we have so many different personalities and different people here that you have to be able to just kind of ebb and flow with what's going on and um, be flexible and um, know how to communicate to all different types of people so for sure just the diversity in talent personality all of that for athletes unlimited along with just the cool kind of reimagination of softball has been yeah. so fun. And I can't wait to see even more how you all kind of apply all of your experiences to the rest of the season. It's going to be crazy. I hope I have a brain left by the end of it. <laughs> I know it might be tough. <laughs> oh, be good. I'm excited for it. Well, I'll, I'll wrap up now with a quick game that I do with everybody called okay. safer out. And basically I'll just bring something up and, I'll ask you safer out. And if you like it or you agree with it, you'll say it's safe. But if you don't like it and you don't agree with it, you'll call it out. Does that make sense? Okay. Yep. Okay. So first one, the extra orange bag at first base, safer out. 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 Okay. What's your reasoning? I think like going back and forth between the two 
has put a damper in some of the things that have happened in this league. A lot of the girls are running to the white bag and it's caused some trips and falls. And I, and I think in my head, I'm like, why isn't anybody running to the orange bag? <laughs> like it's right there. Um, but I think it's, we either need to all adapt to it or all not adapt to it. Um, but so as a whole, I'm going to say it's out because in so many other ways of our game, it's already out. And so let's just keep it out. That's a really good point. Only thing about there being, you know, a few different leagues all at the same time is that like, we have to make sure there's consistency, like you're saying. Yes. So that that's a great point. I think for little kids, you know, when they're first starting to play, if you're like seven, like great, <laughs> have the orange bag. But yeah. yeah, maybe at this level, I was surprised to see it because I haven't seen that in a long time. I think we all were, but it was talked about like, we're going to put the orange bag in so there's less collisions. And I think there's been more collisions, honestly, because people are still running to the white bag, which it's just out of habit, I think. And you just get used to what you're doing. But yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Okay. Stirrups. Safe or out? Safe. I love a little flare. Like, and so, and I love, I love our uniforms from Nike, but the fact that we have to wear like purple, white, white, I would love to like break it up a little bit with a purple stirrup or something like that. People complain about like, oh, there's too much sock around my calves or whatever it is. And I'm like, you guys, it looks cool though. I don't care about your calves. They'll look good. So <laughs> it I'm does look cool. Them. That's a good idea. Like it'd be nice if you guys had the matching stirrup color for yeah. each of your teams. So every week you could that would be add cool. that in. I'll, I'll throw that into them. I'll let the PEC know. Yeah, because that would be cool. Okay, well, with that being said, do you like the the high stirrups, like the ones that are just mostly the stripe, or do you like the ones that where, you know, like the top of the sock kind of comes further down? Do you know what I mean? I think so. I like the top of the sock comes down. To where it's showing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Then it's like, there's like no point in having a stirrup if you only have the stripes on the side. Like, I've never really yeah. understood why. Um, you should just have, have stripe socks. The old school sock with just the stripes on the side, like you might as well just get those that are like, right printed on the sock yeah like from t-ball like we yeah. should just do that yeah, yeah i agree i've never understood that no i like the ones that have the little bit of sock in the front but the stirrup comes down most of the leg yeah i agree i think the last one i'll ask you is the gear bags that are actually backpacks so they're not long enough to fit the bat in they're just the backpack and you kind of have the bat hanging off of it mm -hmm. safer out i'm gonna say out Although I, I don't know, I'm in between my situation. Uh, right now I have a duffel bag. And so I have a duffel bag that fits all my stuff nicely, but I carry my bat. And so it's like, but I got the duffel bag from Evo Shield from Damarini Wilson and Evo Shield and it's great duffel bag. I got the smaller one and the bigger one has a sleeve for the bat. And oh, so nice. I might have to um, invest in one of those and see what that's like, but. I like having everything fit nicely. And I feel like sometimes the backpack, it just gets shoved in there. Right. Or it's not big enough. Um, but yeah, so I like the duffel bag. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Cause the backpack, I also feel like I'm like going to school and I'm like, no, I'm going yeah. to the field though, <laughs> you know? You know uh, what I need is like the roller backpack. Well, that was the other thing. It's like some people, <laughs> like catchers have like the rolling bags cause they have all that gear totally but, acceptable yeah but like yeah should we have like luggage I don't know 
I will say though, I don't like using the roller bag when all I have is like my helmet, glove and cleats and bat. Like I'm like, this is dumb. And in some of the roller bags, there's like no, it's just one giant pocket and there's, I like my stuff organized. So I think that's why I like the duffel bag is because I feel like I can like compartmentalize it a little bit more. Whereas like the big roller bags is just like one giant pocket. And so everything just slides down to the bottom of the bag. Yes. Obviously a catcher has more stuff, so it makes sense. Like they can use their catcher's gear to kind of make some little pockets, little holes, but. Uh. No, that's a good point. Like when it's all literally falling out the bottom on top of your helmet, yes. you're like, okay, yeah. well. That's the point. <laughs> not organized. Yeah. All right. Well, makes sense. Couple of outs. I mean, you are a great infielder, so I had a feeling you'd get a couple outs at least, but thank you again for joining. This was so fun. I hope you had a good time because it was really cool. I had a great time. I had a great time. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Of course. Hopefully we can get you back on at some point and best of luck in the rest of the season. Thank you. So much fun talking to Hannah Flippin. I mean, like I said before, we just kept talking. So really that led us to the two parts that you heard now but she's just got some great insight. She's fun, good energy. I hope you learned and laughed a lot from hearing what she had to say. And she's a double play queen. What better way to transition into the double play tip of the week? This week's double play tip is about rundowns. We have seen some of these in Athletes Unlimited as well, but specifically how to shut down a pickle and get the out as a defender. So when that runner is caught in the middle of the base path, you need to take control. And physically, it's about creating the throwing lane. In a pickle, there's the defender running toward the runner with the ball in their hand, and there's the defender on the other side ready to receive the ball, typically. And the runner's usually looking at the one with the ball because after all, the ball is what's going to get them out. And the receiver is actually the one who creates the throwing lane based on where the runner is. You create the target for the person throwing. So if the runner is shading inside the base path a little bit, then create that lane towards the outside and vice versa. The main thing is that you need a clear path for the ball so they can see the target, the ball doesn't hit the runner, and it gets from point A to point B. And some really crafty base runners know you're trying to do this, of course, and they might zigzag a bit to make it harder for you to create that lane. But remember, the runner only technically has a few feet on each side of the base path to work with, so no need to get caught up chasing them all the way to the grass or anything, but they do have some room to work with. So use your best judgment and be prepared to adjust the lane if you need to. But if you do that, just make sure it's clear for the person throwing, you know, wave your hands and show them where that target is. But if you are the person throwing, you look for that. You stay in that lane, you make a strong snap, accurate throw, follow your throw to replace the receiver and cover that bag. Other infielders will fill in to help cover and keep that cycle going too. And ideally it's only two, maybe three throws before you're able to get her. It should not really be more than that, or you're pretty much getting played. So you really want to keep it efficient. Or if you have speed and you know you can outrun the base runner, then you sprint at them and make that tag yourself as soon as possible. But you make that judgment and go. And mentally, that's what it's about, is going full speed. You really have to commit. If you're sprinting at that runner, go full speed. Don't hesitate because that's what the runner is hoping you'll do. Any dodge or spin move from them might trip you up and they can get out of it. So running at them forces them to commit. And if you go full speed, it forces them to also, and it's a cleaner play for you. But if the ball is thrown and the runner changes direction, if you're the one receiving that ball, 
you can get those feet moving as you're catching the ball to get a jump. Then you make that call in real time if you keep it in your glove and just tag them or if you pull it out to make a throw. Either way, you still always, of course, see that ball in and out of the glove while you're on the move. It's all full speed. But also, you want to focus on driving the runner back to the bag that they came from. If for some reason they outrun you or they get back safely, at least they're back where they started and they didn't advance another 60 feet. You always want to limit the number of bases that you give up to a runner, obviously. And this is especially true if the pickle is in between third and home. You do not want to get beat and give up a run. So push her back towards third base. And it doesn't mean you can't run toward home or make a throw that direction at all, but you have an even shorter leash for how far you let the runner get down the line before you make a move. That's the thing. You won't always be perfect 100% of the time able to get them as they're moving back to the bag they came from, but that's the goal and the general rule that you should go for. Getting the out is the most important thing, but how you do it matters too. So that's the physical and mental side of rundowns. Create a throwing lane and go full speed back to the bag. That's the double play tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, available anywhere you get your pods, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and Believe.com. Subscribe to the show, rate the show, and write a review. Also, of course, share the episodes with your networks. Keep hitting me up on Twitter at JennaBecerra01 and Instagram at JennaBecerra. Thank you for tuning in and catch you soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.